You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Yo, and welcome to another episode of the Joe Rogan Experience Review. This week, we are reviewing Crystal Ball and Saga and Jetty. Love those guys. And good old Be Real, legend. Be Real. Insane in the membrane. Let's go. Insane in the brain. So, Crystal Ball, Saga, they got into it. Man, I'd like to spend some time with this one. There was a lot to unpack. Yeah. Breaking points, man. They've got a lot of points. Mm-hmm. A lot of points on that are this breaking. Pod. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so cool that they moved away from mainstream media because of the limitations. Mm-hmm. And then they went off on their own, which is probably scary as fuck to do. And, you know, Joe supported them and said that he thinks it's a good thing to do. Off they went, and now they're just killing it. I mean, they were recently, I think, number three or something on the pod charts. Okay. I think it was maybe, well, Rogan was at the top, obviously. Then maybe Huberman or another pod. I can't remember. Then them. Then Breaking really? Points. That's huge. And that wasn't their pod. That was for Breaking Points on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Breaking yeah. Points, yeah. Pretty cool. And And it's just nice to see a conservative and a liberal together both talking about things they can agree on stuff they can disagree on stuff it's just the the rapport that they have is it's it's just nice to to see that they can have those disagreements and not be screaming at each other well and it's also cool to be reminded of what a liberal and a republican can agree on because they Mm -hmm. do it often like there's a ton of shit that we forget that people all agree on and you know instead of just constantly fighting or demonizing the other side they just kind of try to figure it out and i i also think it kind of points them towards more important issues that are not to say not political Mm -hmm. but um are things they're both interested in and they both see as like a problem for the country as a whole regardless of whatever party that's what kind of comes across to me when I listen to them. Of course. And well, and the beauty of independent media, that they're not being told a narrative that they have to talk about because their boss is telling them to talk about it. Right. They're it's picking... stuff they really like. Mm-hmm. Well, they had Jeremy Corbell on recently to talk about the balloons. Ah. And what was that balloons? And are we being spoken to truthfully? I mean, obviously, Jeremy leans on... He has his own biases, though I love that guy. Yeah. He's always going to lean on the... It's probably an alien side. Mm-hmm. However, it's it's just cool that even he gets space to kind of discuss what he knows about that. It's important stuff. Yeah, and the and the importance is getting it out there, though. I think there's still a problem with YouTube, and it's our best kind of it's their best spot to go to now in order to get these independent media sources. But 
there's still the algorithms that we have to worry about. You yeah. know, are these getting out to enough people? Have they been on enough for them to get out? It looks like they have 877,000 subscribers. That's that's not that much. I mean, it's a lot, but it needs to be more. Is that right? what YouTube? That's on on their breaking points. Yeah, they have almost, you know, a million subscribers. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, 107,000 views in 2 days on the last uh episode it looks like well they did talk about youtube kind of demonetizing them for talking about certain things and at the end of the day they're a news organization the things they're going to talk about are not always going to be positive they can't be it's what the news is right well it it will be nice to see more people going to these independent sources and hopefully getting correct information that way because there's not somebody telling them the narrative yeah I mean, it looks like Russell Brand has gone over to Bumble almost exclusively. He still puts out clips on other platforms because that helps him build an audience. Right. But most of what he talks about gets flagged. So he kind of has no choice but to go over there. He has to be on Bumble. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least there's an avenue for him to go somewhere. It, exactly. And how important are those avenues, you know, at the end of the day? I mean, massively important. Joe uh, starts off kind of giving them, quote, unquote, the speech. <laughs> Don't look at the comments. And yes. I love it. He always, he does it for everyone, I think, that struggles, comes in, starts talking about it. He's seen it before. I'm sure he did it himself. But he's just been around so long that he's like, dude, very little to be gained there. Just don't, Just focus on what you're doing. And that's such an important thing. Even if you don't have a podcast or a YouTube channel, any of these things, and you're out there listening, but, you know, in regular life, you get this too. You always get pe people in your circle of existence that are telling you you can't do something or you, you suck at it or mm -hmm. whatever. You don't need to listen to them at all. It's hard to do, you know. It's hard not to take it personally. But as long as you are just practicing, doing your thing, working hard, doesn't matter. doesn't mean you're that forever. I mean... Well, it's going to keep you from doing your best work if you let those comments get to you, and, and it's impossible not to when you read them. If you read a lot of them, the only person that I've ever heard that it fuels is David Goggins, and uh, the guy is a savage and a psychopath in the best way. Well, they, did they talk about that during yeah, this Yeah, because he... he, he <laughs> Because he runs said, with it, right? He runs with the negative comments. I guess he reads them into like a recorder and puts <laughs> them on repeat and runs. Like That's right. it, it, that, I do not recommend that. It works for him, but he's just a different type of person. He's a maniac. Maniac. Love it, but maniac. I could see, I mean, it, I could see with his personality how that just fuels him more though. I mean, but, he's but so... But think about how powerful that is. So... Like, you've got a few options. The best option is always don't look at them. Right. So then you you motivate yourself just to keep going and you don't even see that they, these comments exist. But then to take something that is a negative and, and somehow make it more fuel, I mean, of course he's good at that. How else can you run 100 miles on completely blown out knees? Right. Yeah. He's sucking fuel out of the air. <laughs> He's like a human Tesla. Oh, man. Unreal. Well, Saga loves being disconnected from the DC machine, you know, mm -hmm. the that whole kind of business. Um, it, it, we need more 
reporters to do it. I mean, Matt Taibbi is on. We'll be reviewing that next week's show. It's already out on Rogan. He said something very similar. We get to that, but you know, he said that a lot of these reporters now, quote unquote, journalists are like you know, in the pocket of politicians. They're all buddy buddy. Didn't used to be that way. So you either say what they want or, you know, or you you're out fired. of the club. You get or fired. you get fired. Mm-hmm. That's some scary journalism. Scary. What do you think about the them talking about LBJ never uh, actually winning the, his election back in, the, in 1948, I think that was? It says that they, they, they kind of went over that a little bit. They talked about Bush definitely having some election fraud. I think it started because... If people talk about election fraud on YouTube with Trump, it gets flagged, right? Right, and it and it comes down. Yeah. So we know that they're deleting things that don't go towards their more liberal narrative, which is bullshit, because that's ruining freedom of speech. But I had never heard about LBJ. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah, I knew. I remember. So that was the two thousand election. With Gore and Bush. Gore and and Bush, I knew yeah. that was kind of slippery in the Florida end because Jeb was the governor of Florida. Right. And there was some counting issues and it came and it was real close and yeah. I mean comes down to one state and your brother's the governor. Let's let's be realistic about what actually happened there. Yeah. Obviously his bro was on his brother's side. I mean you'd imagine, right? Of course. But saying that, what kind of pull do they have? Can the governor just go in and really fuck with things and how do they hide that and i don't know i wish i knew more about how all that works because you know they obviously people are talking about election fraud every election Mm -hmm. they get into it and then the conclusion is always we looked at everything there were a bunch of lawsuits and we didn't see any major problems okay is that true but like joe says how much is there and it's not zero so what is it (laughs) like how much of it? And then there's all that gerrymandering stuff where they move the the lines of, right. you know, that stuff's slippery. But both sides do it, you know? Well, and, and also they, they covered talking about politicians being able to, you know, be in the stock market mm-hmm. and actually know what's happening. I mean, we've seen it with all politicians, but for them to be able to do and have this insider trading things happening and then be able to change their policies because of it seems so ridiculous. I mean, the, all of the insider trading stuff is so slippery. You know, they, there are people um, on Instagram, I think it's Unusual Whale is the Instagram handle. And, you know, people have talked about it on Rogan before. I think Saga did, in fact. And what what that Twitter and Instagram does is it kind of exclusively follow politician trades. And what's quite interesting about it is it's really highlighting a lot of their potential insider trading because of how successful they are and he shows it. But what it also does that's quite interesting is he's created... Um, these like little systems where you can actually trade with them. So you can pick like Republican or Democrat politi- political trades mm-hmm. and it automatically does it for you. So whenever they sell, you'll sell. I, I don't know how all that works, but that's kind of interesting. I mean, what are, 
great way if it is you know big winning stocks for people to make some money but also it shows everybody what is actually happening right it's transparent really highlights it it must be a lot of work for him to do that but i'm sure he's you know a full-time trader so he you know he has the opportunity to do it well it says that in 2012 an act of con let's see april 4th 2012 it was the Stock Act, and it was designed to combat insider training, signed into law by President Barack Obama. But, I mean, that's obviously be, been reenacted, right, if, if people are trading still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably started it and then found a new way to trade around it. I mean, they're not going to stop doing it. This is so much of their money. Right. Right, it's not the money's not coming from their salaries. That's for dang sure. I mean, that's the point, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like Nancy Pelosi has been a lifelong politician. What do they pay him? Two fifty, three hundred grand a year. Yet she's worth hundreds of millions. Right. Either she's an incredible saver, but I don't think there's enough years to do that. Ten years would be a million, three million if you never spend any money. So she'd have to be a couple of hundred years old. Yeah, it just says here that the main provision was repeat, that was repealed would have required 28,000 senior government officials to post their financial information online. Sneaky. But they don't have to do that anymore. Oh, great. Anyway. Well, keep it up, Unusual Whale. Thank you for your work. I love what looking at your Instagram, even though I can't understand a lot of it, but you're doing great work. It's just getting that information out there more. It's just like a thing that we we can't monitor. Nobody reports on it, or barely anyone, and it's just been happening forever, and it just it can't keep going. The next thing was talking about how much money we'd sent over to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I think they started by saying something like $100 billion. And then you were saying at the at the end of the pod they did they lowered it right to like they were saying thirty yeah towards the end it said between twenty and thirty billion dollars have been sent hmm. so and then I looked it up earlier and the most accurate one or the most recent uh, number I saw was forty eight billion it's so, a lot of billions either way I think what this comes down to is where do we get real true information these days we don't know. There's so much information that it's hard to decipher what's the truth and what's what's not. Well, even when somebody I know tells me, oh, this is, you know, they know we do this pod. So people like to send us stuff and they're like, oh, you got to check this guy out. He's great. And then you look at someone else and they recommend someone. And all these people individually are believing in whatever this source is that right. they're sending us. But then they have their own biases towards it. It's like, first, you got to look at what their political leanings are. And obviously, you know, they like what they're hearing from these individuals, so they believe it. I just, it's hard to work through that maze, kind of. Well, and I think we all know, and they chatted about how the war machine is actually running our country. It (laughs) has been for so many years. I mean, since I followed politics in, you know, the Bush era. Ever since 9-11, we've basically been run by 
the war machine. And Probably it's before gone back that. Even before that, but in our lifetimes, for sure. Yeah. And there's no way of actually verifying what happens to this stuff. I mean, the Pentagon is losing. They when when Rumsfeld was in office right before nine eleven, it was what two trillion dollars that was lost. Was it trillion or billion? With I Rumsfeld? think it was trillion. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Like and we're ridiculous. just supposed to. We're just supposed to say, oh, no big deal. Well, they keep failing their they're audit. S- they're still doing it. When Saga said that, I'm like, wait a second, what? What does that mean? Does that mean I can fail my audit? It, the the it, Pentagon gets a special pass? Well, they just have so much of our tax dollars, and if they keep spending it on military budget, which they are, we're, we never know what happens to that money. And I don't know how that changes. And maybe yeah. these independent you know, sources that we'll start digging into this stuff will actually make a difference for, you know, people to be more informed and to get upset enough about it, right? If we're not doing anything about it, if the public's being apathetic, then how do we change that? Yeah. It won't change. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have money. Yeah, I want, I think having a strong military is important. Right, but we should know where the money's going. We should know more than we do. I don't think it would be the end of the world for them just to, you know, what they should do is get... PR that just says why it's important that they have it. Here are the things that we do. This is kind of our mission. There's going to be some secret stuff, obviously, and that needs to be. But I, I think it would just be I, – I feel like the public people are just disconnected from mm-hmm. this. So much so that we don't know what they're up to, how much it costs, and it, probably that builds mistrust. Oh, absolutely. And it was $2.3 trillion. Wow. What did you think about... I'm, I'm looking up the richest guy in India here because that was oh. an interesting topic. What did he lose? $100 billion? He lost half of his, of his assets or half of his money. I know it, that much. And it was like, um, basically, he was inflating his own stocks, right? Propping them up with these shell companies and then dumping them and making money. And somebody reported on it and said, all of this stuff is fake. And it just wrecked him. Yeah, it says right here, Gautam, Gautam Adani. His firms have lost $110 billion in value since, uh, let's see, this happened in just a matter of weeks. He went from $110 billion to $61 billion. So yeah, he lost half of his money. Mm. Well, I mean, if he's been conning a bunch of shit, then I don't, I don't feel too bad about it. The ex-richest man. Yeah. That's wild. Especially being that rich in a country like India. I mean, it's a much less expensive place to live. So to him, I mean, that's just like having infinite money probably. Yeah, it says accused of pulling the largest con in corporate history. Yeah, he's just short selling everything, man. He's buying up his own stocks from companies that aren't even real to make it look like he's killing it in the stock market. And then, how did he actually get caught, though? I think it was. I think they said that some reporters or some investment guy basically explained what was happening, looked into it, and realized that this stuff was all fake put out a report that was pretty detailed and everyone caught on to it and said, well, fuck this, we're out. And Crazy. Then, yeah. And and 
the crazy thing is this reminds me of last week when we talked about Mariana, or I guess at the beginning of this week, about how there's so many companies that are just taking people's money, pretending that they're trading stuff, mm-hmm. and it's all fake. Dude, that's so fucked up. It's unreal. It's terrifying when you think about it. Especially because often people are like, hey, you got to prepare for um, retirement. So put your money in the different stocks and diversify and buy some crypto. Yeah, it looks like a small U.S. investment firm is what caught on to it. Crazy. Yeah. Well, it's good that, that some real accounting goes on because he could have got away with this for how long? And if you're not really bringing any value to anything, you're just somehow absorbing a lot of money, that's not very useful. Like, those aren't the kind of billionaires you want, right? No, man. You want to be a philanthropist if you have that much money. Hopefully. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Spread the wealth a little bit. Give it to someone. (laughs) All right. Chinese uh, balloon, spy balloon. We've covered it a bit. Mm -hmm. There's been a few of those now. We shot down, what, like four? Has it been four? I think it's close. Maybe more. And are they spy balloons? We don't know. Hmm. Well, the some of the others were like the, about the size of a car. So maybe that's a smaller balloon, or maybe it's something else. I'd like to get more information on that. I mean, we know what Jeremy Corbell thinks. I just want to see some up-close pictures. There's got to be some better pictures of this stuff. I mean, it kind of looks like the Tic Tac thing that that... that Corbell was talking about, you know? There was a couple of them that looked like the the UFO Tic Tac. Well, if they were moving slow, there definitely are some pictures out there because we have satellites that can just hone in on that and take pictures. But they're all military top secret ones. Why doesn't Elon make one of these satellites that just can face the Earth again and show some pictures? I mean, he could do it too, right? I guess he he probably doesn't have, like, radar systems that can figure out where they are, so that might be difficult. Yeah, but you know there's something up there that has a better photo. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. And it ha- it was four. They, there claims to be four in the mm. last, what, three weeks this has happened? Yep. And now Biden came out yesterday and said that they were not spy balloons. Okay. Okay. Not sure where that narrative's going. Likely not. Likely. Likely not spy balloons. This well, is on what, PBS. So then what the hell are they? If you're not a spy balloon, a spy alien probe. If any object presents a threat to the safety and security of the American people, I will take it down, says Joe Biden. Nice. I think we should shoot things down that are floating around. Yeah, but we're not getting the full story. What was it? Why was it here? Uh-huh. Right? It's like we shot down some balloons and then no one talks about it after yeah. that. Like, it's no big deal. On to the next. Yep. Then it's the trains derailing. <laughs> How many trains? That one in Ohio seems so fucked. Polluting everything and that's, I mean, that's not good. Now, I, I was looking into that a few days ago. It does say that the average is 1,700 derailments a year, which is insane. That's a huge number. Yeah. So was it just coincidence? I don't know. But it sure seems weird that so many of them were just chemicals. Right. Right? Or at least chemical-focused. That seems but, a little strange. Also, maybe a lot of trains have a lot of chemicals on True. them. True. So it might just go with it. 
I mean, we got to be careful not to get pulled into a conspiracy that's a waste of time. For sure. 1,700 trained railments a year, that's a lot of trains. That should be the the issue that, we, that we're that we fixing, right? Is right. Fix the actual tracks. The tracks before we start getting into conspiracies, which typically happens. Well, right? look, if we got cars that drive themselves, how the hell do we not have trains that do it? They're already on tracks. There's got to be limited adjustments that you have to make to speed you... up slow down speed up slow down well there was something about uh there was a like certain breaks that obama um he made he made a uh, a bill in congress that passed a law for having special specific breaks on trains like that that have chemicals on them right but i think it was overturned by trump and so we don't have that anymore but I, I don't think that that's really the issue. The main issue to me is, have you seen the tracks? I mean, I was on Twitter the other day, and you can see how uneven these tracks are. I mean, it, it's like a four-foot difference in some of these tracks. I mean, they're all over the place. We definitely don't have the rail system that, like, Japan, Japan has. They have the dopest trains. Super fast, super straight, super safe, always on time. And our ones are just clunking around the countryside, wobbling up and down. Carrying toxic chemicals. Yet we can send billions and billions and billions of dollars for war. Uh-huh. That's so a good point. Let's actually. get our priorities straight. Yeah. Maybe maybe a little bit of train track map. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, oh, they talked about man. chat GBT too, and I'm sure a lot of you folks out there have been playing around with that, or at least I hope you have. Their website's always busy. I love going on there and just tinkering and just seeing what it's all about. But they're saying that it's gonna, it might change the way that universities do their curriculums because it's just getting so smart that writing papers is just not really the way forward. And c- let's be fair, writing papers is so annoying. When you're a student, it's always the it's always the one thing you hear, whether it's, oh, i got to get ready for this exam, but it's often it's, oh, I've got to write this paper. It's like where all the stress of that stuff comes from. I feel like why not at oral exams? You just zoom it in or you're in class and they just ask you questions. Well, and then you, but then you have to like get up in front of the class and talk. That's good for your confidence. Yeah. I mean, I think writing's good for your confidence too. So as a writer, I don't agree with that, but I, I did like the idea of having a class that talks about GPT and maybe, you know, seeing what it can do, what it can't do, and then maybe, I, I mean, I don't know how these classes would go, but maybe you write a paper with GPT and then you write a paper yourself. Do both. Right. You know, see the, the differences, or maybe you, maybe we do it together. That's an important class, though. Absolutely. Think, to train kids on how to use it the best way or figure it out together as a class, that, that would be super interesting. Well, they're saying BuzzFeed was using GPT to write quizzes. Yeah, you know? it can. Yeah. Yeah, it can definitely do that. It's cool. I mean, we'll figure out a way to use it uh, to its advantage, and I, I think we're going to see the advantages of it really quickly. And what it, you know, I think quizzes is one of those things that it does a really good job at because there's not really any emotion to quizzes. It's mm-hmm. just straightforward, pretty linear. Hey, here's an answer question that needs an answer. That's yeah. easy. That's easy for a computer to do. Right. But they're saying that Chat GPT 4.0, when it comes out, is going to be a million times better than 3.0. Yeah. I mean, it kind of fucks up quizzes, though, when you can just write in, what's the answer to all these questions mm-hmm. in chat GBT, and it just tells you. 
and then you're like really it just comes down to whoever's the best they're using chat gbt can get all the answers they need for things well people are going to have to start finding new jobs i mean you already look at the supermarket how many people are opting out of a real person checking their food out mm-hmm. you know that hasn't really changed our economy much has it no, they have People those. People just get different jobs. They have those McDonald's now that are completely automated. Right. No one's in there touching your food. They're just machines are making it. Yeah, that's the one in Texas. And probably not making very many mistakes, I'd imagine. It's coming out. Mm, it's coming, dude. <sighs> that instead of just killing blue collar jobs, they're going to start killing more uh, writing jobs, you know. Journalists. I mean, if BuzzFeed's already firing people because they can use chat GPT to write quizzes, I don't know how many people they laid off for that, but I imagine there's quite a few people that who were writing quizzes that aren't anymore. Yeah. Quiz writers are done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Don't be a quiz writer. The last thing I wanted to hit on, and it was something that is just sad to hear, but... You know, and I, I didn't know a lot about it, but the um, expanded t- child tax credit program. Mm. Now, you have a kid. You probably got this for a while, right? I did. Yeah, it was nice. What was it? Two years? I think it was t- it definitely a full year, maybe a year and a half. It was through COVID. I remember that much. It was like 900 bucks a quarter or something. Yeah. And they said good research has been done on it. And it shows the parents were actively spending well for their children. Right, so it's a successful program. As programs go, it wasn't this giant waste, and people just out there buying, you know, unnecessary things. Like they were reinvesting in their kids with it for the most part, and they just let it expire. And now it's gone. That's such a bummer. It's like, hey, people need money for their kids. Well, this is something Kyle was talking about too. Who I didn't realize that Kyle. Is it Kalinsky? Is actually Rachel's husband, or excuse me, Crystal's husband? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was saying the same thing. Yeah. 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 Why are we getting rid of this? It doesn't make any sense. It's like surely that benefits everyone. Why did they just make that like a political issue, and that's it? We need more money to go to war instead of, you know, into the pockets of people who actually need it in our country. I don't know. I guess so. Uh, Anyway, let's jump over to Be Real. Good old Be Real. What a legend. Come on. How long has this guy been around making dope-ass raps? I mean, my first, let's see, it must have been sixth grade, I think, was when that would have been 19, gosh, 93, 92 maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was when Insane in the Membrane came out. I know because I used to run to it. I was on the cross country team. <laughs> so good. So good. And that what, was you just the put it on hit. repeat. What did that you have like a, a little Walkman? No, I'm. Well, I must have. Yeah, I don't remember. It might have been a CD. Yeah, CD player Walkman at that point, right? Maybe they had the. Remember the anti skip CD players? Oh yeah, they didn't work. It would. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember. I remember that having that on repeat for sure when we were running. Like insane in the membrane. I mean, that was that was the hot hit for years. Oh yeah, it's right? and it's so replayable too. Yeah, I mean, imagine the royalties that they've made on it. I yeah. wonder if you could look that up. 
like what the total royalties of just insane in the membrane has been. Well, you look that up. Let's talk about the uh, marijuana tax revenue thing. So in California alone, it's over a billion dollars. Though, it's hard to get those licenses, like way tough. So there's still a lot of illegal weed being grown. And, you know, they've, they've kind of reduced the punishments for doing that, which I think is heading in the right direction for sure. But, you know, it kind of increases people's risk-taking because they won't get in as much trouble and they're growing it legally. Do you think that's the problem ultimately there is just that because it's still not in every state and it's still not approved federally that we're just kind of like in the gray area of making this work right? I think each state is going to figure it out on its own. Uh, It's just going to take a little bit longer, but they did mention that Colorado is doing it better than California because there's less taxes in Colorado. It's a little bit easier to get a license, right? Right. So it's state by state. Every state is different. I think, yes, it's going to take longer, but eventually I think we're going to look towards states like Colorado and be real mention that of, you know, seeing where this revenue is going, seeing how much revenue is going to schools and roads. And I think most of the revenue goes to schools, uh, in Colorado. Right. I think anyway, um, I think it's been somewhat used well. And also, now that it's started and been so profitable, they're not getting rid of it. Like, more states are just going to take it on. And, you know, the kind of political biases against it are just going to be overtaken by money because states want this money. Right. I mean, you see that happening in Montana with... The problem is that there's going to be larger companies, larger weed companies that come in and take out all the small guys, right? Yeah. Which, you know, that's capitalism, I guess, at its finest. You can't really stop that. But it is, I mean, we've seen it with friends of ours here in Montana that have started weed companies and aren't doing it anymore. I know a few people. It's a tough business. Yeah. You know? But then we got our boy at Apogee Garden. Shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just expanding and expanding. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. If you If you got in the game early enough and you're good at what you do then you're going to survive, right? It's just like anything else. Mm. going to weed out the bad guy. Weed. <laughs> Literally weed him. What did you think about the... So they talk about microdosing and depression. Mm-hmm. Awesome that that gets brought up so much because I think it's going to be such a, an amazing tool for people. It's already... We're already seeing it happen, right? But it's just cool to see that this gets brought up on a weekly basis, I feel like, with Rogan. And to think that this can be such a change in the way we've done things in the past is just very exciting to me. Yeah. Because I don't think antidepressants are, you know, I don't think they're bad, but I think that there's natural remedies that could work better along with exercise, along with, you know, eating right. Obviously there's all these things that we never tend to talk about in, in the, mainstream media health realm, right? Mm -hmm. It takes, again, it takes people like Rogan and YouTube and independent sources to be talking about stuff like this. And now it's becoming part of the mainstream because of that, which is really cool. I mean, some of those drugs have their place. 
for sure. Of I've course. I've been reading this book recently that's about therapy and about the rise of Prozac. Mm-hmm. And it had all these stories and cases in there of this doctor that dealt with these patients, clients, whatever you want to call them, prey patients, because he's an MD. And he was talking about how often people just like couldn't even get out of bed. Right. They wouldn't even get to the therapy sessions. Like they just could do nothing. And that exists. Yeah. That happens to people. And maybe at least once that happens to a lot of people to just some point in their life. And he was talking about how they would get him on Prozac, you know, in the early days. And the, but like by the next week or so, really quickly, they're telling him that, yeah, they're taking their kids to this event and mm-hmm. they're out doing things. And, you know, that's yeah, a huge, huge difference. I think the problem gets into they they started to hand this stuff out like candy. Right. And the what's heartbreaking to me with the people that I know that have um, taken those things and then tried to get off it is they don't really explain how brutal it is to get off it. It's like you've already got all this problem that's not working for you. So here's a quick fix, which may work, but eventually, uh, you know, for a lot of people, the goal is to get off it. And it's so hard, and they don't really prepare you for it. It's not like they have – I have a friend doing it now, and there's there's not like a great procedure for getting them off it. You know, they went and talked to their doctor, and their doctor was like, yeah, well, we could, you know, reduce the dose and half the dose. And, and it's been tough for this person, really mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they weren't expecting that. They weren't really told about that when they got on it. And – Maybe, you know, and it wasn't like this person was in bed all day before. They were just uncomfortable and a bit, you know, sad and struggling. And if microdosing is like a much easier transition for people like that, then please look into it, right? Right. For those people's sake. Well, that's just it. It's it's just good to see that there's other options available and, again – Depression is such a problem in in this country, and we need all the options we we can. I mean, we need these options, right? Mm-hmm. But it's nice to be able to explore newer alternative options yeah. always. Well, look at this episode. We're sponsored by MindBloom. They're yeah. doing ketamine therapy. Right. I mean, how wild is that to think about? Ten years ago, to think that you could legally get paid to suggest to people out there that are struggling that they could go and sign up for these sorts of therapies, which are, you know, helping people. Yeah. Or use ketamine to get a the, those boys out of the that soccer team that was stuck in that cave. You remember that? They actually had to use ketamine to get them out of there, to put them in a tranquilized state so that they didn't freak out while they were getting pulled out of that cave. Where was this? That was, I feel like it was in China. I'll look it up, but... Yeah, they talked about that. So they, like, sedated them? Yeah, they were sedated with with ketamine so that they didn't freak out when they were trying to get the bodies out of this cave. It was going to crumble. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? I didn't hear about that. Oh, yeah. Nuts. Oh, that freaks me out. I'm way too claustrophobic for that bullshit. (laughs) Dude. You ever hear of people that, like, do, what do they call it, like, Kasplunkin or something? Oh, yeah. Like, um, cave... Yeah, uh, crawling through c- caves and little holes. I have <laughs> splunkering. No, is that a? Song? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> spelunking, I, spelunking. There uh-huh. we go. Better. 
I just can't believe anyone does that. I mean, fair play to you, but God, when you hear of a story of people getting stuck, and it's just like, what a way. Here we go. The Thai, sorry, it was ta- it was Taiwan. My bad. I said China. So the Thai soccer team cave rescue aided by Ketamine. Twelve boys rescued from deep within a flooded cave in Thailand last July were pulled out as they slept under anesthesia, a strategy that kept that was kept secret at the time because it was risky, according to doctors. Hmm. The divers who ferried the boys to safety were taught how to give intramuscular injections of the drug ketamine. Wow. Wow. And then, oh, so they had to like dive them out. So probably get them on air, but keep them from kicking and spazzing. Right. That makes sense. Allowed the boys to continue to breathe on their own and kept their blood pressure stable. Crazy. <laughs> well, you know, that's a good example of just doing what works without you know, putting any kind of drug biases on it. It's like, this is going to help. Yeah, this Let's works. Let's do that. Oh, I did like, real quick, in this episode, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same for everyone, uh, Beavers and Butthead commercial. Mm. I mean, as commercials go, <laughs> great. You know. Uh, I have yet to see the new, the new film. Well, no, me too. And they're, mm-hmm. But they're making a series now. It's awesome. It's coming back. I wonder if it's going to hold up. I mean, when I was like 13, that was the funniest thing ever. But I thought a lot of dumb shit was funny when I was 13. It'd it be was, interesting to see if they adjust it. It was way better than Ren and Stimpy. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. Ren and Stimpy was just creepy. Still good. So, Still it, so they talk a lot about drugs in this one, or a lot about weed, right? Mm-hmm. Which we kind of knew was going to happen. I, I thought it was funny to hear them talk about staying away from concentrates. Yeah which I think is important. Dabs. You know, even Be Real was saying he doesn't do it much. If he says it, yeah. this shit is wild, kids. <laughs> it's too Go it's easy. Too, it's too strong. It's just too strong. It's so strong. I, I don't understand how, how people... How high do you need to get? How people are doing dabs. I mean, they talk about how Snoop, obviously, is always smoking weed, but Snoop's not doing dabs all the time. I doubt it. Um, talking about the taking an eighth of mushrooms before he goes on stage, how they used to do that oh back in the God. day. Oh, my God. Can't imagine that. That seems like a lot of work. They gave some advice on doing edibles, though. And I have to say, I I think Be Real and Joe kind of agreed that 10 milligrams is good for a newbie starting. Mm. I would honestly say... That's too much. I would say half. And still keep it on what you have to do. Like, if you're not used to it at all, and you do 5 milligrams, to some people, I've seen them get pretty, you know, kind of confused. It's happened to me. And to go into public, that might be a lot. So I think that there, there is a bit more to, you know, maybe they're so used to doing it that 10 to them is just nothing. Right. But yeah, to a newbie, maybe. It really just depends. Always start small. Start small. You got to start small because you're never sudden, really going to regret that. Even if you end it with, yeah, I didn't really feel it that much. It's like, okay, good. It's better than being like getting out and being like, I went to a dark place and hid in my closet. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> no, it's too much. You don't want to do that. I don't remember them having Nermal, what was his name? Nermal Persia, the guy who did 14 Peaks. He was on Rogan. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was a Gurkha, which is like a type of special forces that yeah. I think work for the UK. But they're like external countries, special forces. Okay. Like Thailand or somewhere like that. They're badasses, for sure. The Gurkhas are badass. 
Did you watch that film? I did. Yeah. Unreal. Dude. How much like that what his like blood oxygen level was still at like ninety percent even at, you know, eight thousand meters or something. Yeah. I can't even get through a hot yoga session without <laughs> almost passing out, which happened this morning when Todd and I went. There are just different levels of humans out there. Phenomenal. Well, and he was drinking every night. Savage. You know. Unreal. Maybe that helped. Pray helped Maybe. his mood. I mean, it kept his blood thin. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, what did you think of breakdancing uh, getting into the Olympics? That's awesome. I did not know that I that didn't was know happening. That, yeah, I didn't know that's that That's amazing. It's a so world last sport. year, I think they had surfing and maybe skateboarding in. Well, not last year, but like 2020 or whenever Skateboarding they did was it. new, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It's like progressive and fun. And now breakdancing, why not? I mean, you look at... Uh, the gymnastics to music, you know, where they're like flipping around on the floor. It's like, why not do it like this? I mean, they're definitely incredible. It's athletes. gonna be fun to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. Breaking in the twenty twenty four Olympics, dude. That's nuts. Paris. I wonder if they have like breakdance battles, and then people just vote on it. That, that could be. That could quickly become one of the most fun Olympic events to watch. I mean, it's not much different than a floor routine in gymnastics. I mean, obviously, you're not flipping. Well, you probably are flipping, right? Oh, yeah. They're going yeah, to throw, they throw the backflips and stuff in there. Yeah. Absolutely. That's super dope. I love that idea. I liked the ice tea, him talking about ice tea because I was a fan. I mean, still a fan of ice tea, but I, w- I remember when ice tea came out with Body Count, mm-hmm. and which was his metal, more metal punk group back in... I, that's got to be the late 80s. When well, that he's been a big down. fan of that type of music, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah, and seeing the the hip-hop being represented in the Grammys after mm-hmm. 50 years of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying they didn't hit everybody, but they did a good job of, of paying respects to an amazing... The players. An amazing group of people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It, it's also not surprising to hear that Labels wouldn't take a chance with Cypress Hill to start with. Like, too risky. Right. But I bet they're kicking themselves now. <laughs> yeah, I never figured out how much money the uh, how much money the Insane in the Membrane uh, song made. But, I, I mean, I know it was platinum, right? Oh, yeah. That album went platinum for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big mistake to a lot of... Um, record companies but who knows it was a different time a lot of pressure it's always easier to go with a Justin Bieber you know than someone that might be that might upset people but at the end of the day if the music's good then who cares like that's what I think well think of how much the the audience has changed that uh, the amount of people that actually smoke weed now I mean back in the 90s when they first came out it was a pretty small group, or at least people didn't talk about it as much. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's basically all they sung their songs on. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, by the way, we love this. Yeah, the guy's a legend, dude. I mean, and such a good talker, too. Like, super chill, articulate, like, really just just awesome. I love it. I still got to watch that video of uh, Joe on his podcast doing the, like, hotboxing in the car. That sounds almost stressful. 
I mean, you're just getting too high. Wait, that wasn't when he was taking the volcano? No, I think they were just smoking a bunch of weed and sitting in a car and trying to do a podcast. <laughs> I'm amazed any of them could speak. I just fall asleep. Uh, Brutal. Well, that's about it for this week. And anything else you want to add to last well, I was bit? just I was just making sure there that I was correct on the platinum. It definitely went platinum. Yeah. Legendary song. Listen to it. Play it right now. Everyone out there. In respect. And it was nineteen ninety three too. God, that feels old. It's such a long time ago. It's a long time. Wow. But what a great year. I mean, we were what, twelve? Yeah. That's a great time to be listening to that song. <laughs> 12 years old, just like, yeah, man. Mom and dad didn't know we were listening to Cypress Hill uh-uh. at 12. You got to keep it quiet. That's probably what got me into smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't blame him. That was your hey. choice. Hey. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, check out our website. Check out our Instagram. And as always, have a great week. We love you to death. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.